0: Welcome to the How Not to Screw Up Your Kids podcast. So, pour yourself a cuppa, find a comfy seat, and enjoy the conversation. This is episode 90, and in today's episode, Mum Guilt, I want to talk very specifically to mothers and to address what I feel gets stamped on our foreheads, literally the moment we become parents, and that's guilt. Now, before I start, I want to answer a listener question. Here's Heidi, my amazing PA, and her recording of the question. This week's question is from Sophia. You mentioned in terms of sleep quality that there shouldn't be many toys in the bedroom unless they're there to help your child wind down. I don't have a playroom for my kids, so how can I make this work in my setup? Now, my response. Now, the reality is most parents aren't in a position to have a separate room within their home where their children have their toys, where their toys live. And even if you are one of the fortunate that is able to do that, toys inevitably end up in our children's bedrooms. So how do we avoid our children becoming overstimulated at bedtime? Maybe playing with their toys rather than going to bed. Now you'll remember I talk about creating the right environment for our children when they go to bed in episode five and that's not just with children that's about teenagers about redressing the room so you move it away from being a playroom or a sitting room or a tv room or a device room into becoming the bedroom so here are a couple of things that we can do very specifically when we're talking about younger children and toys the first one is use containers where possible it's up to you what kind of containers but what we want to do is we want the toys to have specific homes where they live whether that's in containers whether that's in baskets whether that's in wardrobes again we might not all have the ability in terms of space but where possible we want the toys to have a space or a place in the bedroom where they can live so one of the tasks that we as part of that bedtime routine Is the task is about redressing the bedroom, and you can talk about it. We're making, we're moving our bedroom from being a playroom to becoming our bedroom and and our place to sleep. So that's one of the kind of crucial things to do. And what we can then do is we incorporate tidying it away, because that's a great life skill about tidying and organising. And eventually, our children can build independence. We can build that into their bedtime routine where they do it independently. But initially you're going to help them but what you can also do as part of that is that you can you can then encourage them to keep one toy out that they are they get the privilege of being able to play for a certain amount of time with it and it's up to you whether you have a timer that goes off and then your child places the toy down and then goes to bed or whether they're younger they have a certain period of time when you come in it then has to be put away and then that toy can be left out as well for when they wake up in the morning and then it's ready for them in the morning to play with and what you can then do around this is talk about consequences if the toy doesn't get put away so you're empowering your child you're giving them that sort of responsibility you're giving them the privilege of being able to play and you can factor that in if you want your child in bed and asleep by seven thirty. you just shift bedtime a little bit so they can get five or ten minutes with their the toy and then you have a mechanism that you call time but you're then teaching them around independence so eventually they'll be able to do it but you can also talk about consequences the consequences if they're not placing that toy down and then getting into bed when you go in for that end of their time then a consequence is they lose that particular privilege and when it comes to tidying away toys they have to tidy all of them they don't get to keep one out so you can use it in that sort of the negative consequence but you can also teach it in terms of the positive consequence of the reinforcement of the fact that they've had that privilege and that you're that because they're so responsible with it maybe they get to have two toys out or maybe instead of 10 minutes the next day you might give them 12 minutes because they've been so responsible in placing their toys away so i hope that answers that question and hopefully for some of you it might also give you some ideas my response to that particular question can be applied across all ages if you're struggling with a teen or an older child that has got devices you can the same principle applies around it there being a closing down the room from whatever function it serves before it becomes their bedroom, redressing it, and then coming back in with that fresh perspective of it's a room that's a bedroom that is designed for sleep. So I hope that helps. So back to guilt, and more specifically, mum guilt. Now, what I am going to say, in my view, is that mum guilt... Has always been there. This is not new. It doesn't matter what generation we are, there's always been an element of mum guilt. But I feel that as we parent in a more isolated, remote way, in a less of that communal way that potentially our parents, grandparents, great grandparents would have been in a much more community where children were raised in a as a whole community raised them rather than us in these very sort of individual, slightly fragmented families where our, our aunties, our uncles, our parents, our grandparents might be living far away. And so they're not there in that same way. So mum guilt has always been there, but I think the, the geography of parenting has changed. I think we've probably become much more introspective. We're very much in our head around the way that we parent. And I would also say from those moment that we are expecting our child, whether that's because we're expecting ourselves, we're pregnant, whether that's through a surrogate, whether that's through adoption, whichever way it is, I think the weight and the guilt of the decisions that we make are so huge. And I think that that's slightly exacerbated by the plethora of parenting books and parenting camps. And I think probably the parenting caps are, are probably more of an issue in that we sort of almost feel like we have to be in these specific camps, whether that's child led or whether we're, you know, you know the various different camps. I'm not necessarily going to go all the way through them, but this is almost this feeling, certainly when our children are really young, that we have to be raising them following a particular specific doctrine. I think there's a lot of that around. And then that is also amplified by social media. So we're much more public about the way that we parent. We have much more access and view to how other people parent, what looks like optimal parenting. And so whilst mum guilt has always been there, I think it's probably never been quite as amplified or quite as intense as it feels currently. So it's, you know, it's, you are not As you're listening to this, you are not the only person that is going to experience mum guilt. We're all experiencing it. And I've read, looked at surveys that have talked about some like 80% of mums all the way up to 95%. My feeling is that there may be 80% that feel it constantly, but we all feel mum guilt to some extent All of the time. And that might come in waves. It may well be that maybe you've got mum guilt because you don't get to pick up your child from school. Maybe you've got mum guilt because you feel that you can't give your child all the opportunities that you think you could. Maybe you've got mum guilt because you're working. Maybe you've got mum guilt because you're not working. You name it, there is mum guilt. You haven't had time to freshly prepare something from scratch. Whatever that might be, that guilt is there. And before I move on to kind of my five top tips, I think we have to start from this place that guilt comes from the stories we tell ourselves about what it means to be a good mum or a perfect mum so we have to start with what those stories are telling ourselves what are they really telling we have to kind of dig deep and quite often I talk about the fact we have to do a bit of an audit and I think that this is something that we really ought to spend a lot of time about because I could talk to you about the fact that it's really important that you take care of yourself, that you can give so much more to your children when you've taken care of yourself and that that guilt isn't helpful, you know, all of these things. So I could say to you that the best way to tackle mum guilt is around making sure that you take care of yourself. And by taking care of yourself, you mustn't feel guilty about it because by taking care of yourself, you're giving back more to your child. We know a lot of this Stuff already. So I'm not going to start from that. I'm going to approach this whole notion of mum guilt from a slightly different angle on the assumption that you know what you need to do to reduce that mum guilt in lots of ways. You know that self care is really important. You know that that means that you're going to give back more to your children, but you're not doing it. So why are you not doing it? So this podcast episode and the strategies that I'm going to talk about are very much based on a I don't need to convince you that there are things that you need to do. You're intelligent enough. You've been listening to my podcast enough to know what you need to do around self-care and how important it is for your children that you take care of you. You know it, but you're not executing on it. So why? And it has to start with the story. So before I go through my five top tips. I really want you to take some time, whether you press pause on the podcast episode now or whether you write this down and do this afterwards, because there's a reason why you're kind of consumed with this guilt, that you're not acting on changing that guilt. And my view is, It's to do with the stories that you are telling yourself. And the stories I tell myself about being a mum will be different to yours. We may share some common themes, but fundamentally, we're going to have very different stories because our experiences up to the point that we became mothers is going to be different, as well as our experiences after we have become a mother. So it's really thinking about And trying to get on a piece of paper without overthinking it, don't get caught up in it, literally just brain dump all of the things about what are the stories that you tell yourself about being a good mum. So when you get mum guilt about not being able to pick up your child from nursery or not being able to pick up your child from school or not making homemade meals, not being part of the PTA, whatever it might be, that comes from a story that you've told yourself that a good mum always picks up their children. A good mum always cooks things from scratch. A good mum never loses her temper. A good mum's got time and patience. A good mum's great at crafts. A good mum's really creative in terms of knowing what to do with her children at all times. A good mum feels great about being a mum and never resents it whatsoever. Yeah? This guilt comes when there's a mismatch between the story we have told ourselves about what it means to be this good mum, this perfect mum and how we're living it out each and every day and we have to start by being really honest and I'll also be really honest in your pursuit of being honest you probably won't hit the nail on the head immediately and that's why it's a really important I think that we have a regular reflective practice however you do that, whether you journal, whether you just write a few notes, whether you just check in with yourself for five minutes over a cup of tea every single day, what am I feeling at the moment? How am I? How am I reacting to things? Is that me? What's going on in my head? And really getting caught in that, why am I feeling guilty about this? Why is this showing up for me? Because you will have in your mind a very clear story that you've told yourself. We start telling ourselves the stories from the minute we're expecting. This is the kind of parent I'm going to be. I'm going to be this. I'm going to be that. We absorb information. We take information from when we were parented ourselves. From what we see in social media. What we perceive is happening in other homes. And that starts. That creates the stories, the narrative that we tell ourselves and that is what drives the behavior and that's what brings the guilt so you really need to start with that and you need to go and revisit that piece of paper or that notebook regularly because that's the starting point you have to understand and the reason why I talk about stories is that they're not truths they're what they these are the things that we tell ourselves the novels that we create in our mind of what that perfect parent is going to look like. We're always going to be fun. Our children are always going to want to talk to us about everything. We're going to share everything. Yeah, and that doesn't, that's not real. It absolutely isn't real. And we all know intellectually that there is no such thing as a perfect mum. But we have a clear picture in our mind of what we, the story that we're telling ourselves about the mum that we expect ourselves to be. So we have to start with First of all, what's the story that we're telling ourselves? And then where does that story come from? Does that come from something that I truly believe is crucial? And if I truly believe it's crucial, why do I truly believe that's crucial? So let's take that example of picking up our children, whether that's from nursery, from the childminder, from school. Yeah, we might have that. To be a good mum, that's what I need to do. Well, where's that story come from? Where has that story come from? Has that come from a book? Has that come from something you've seen on social media? Has that come from a friend, a family? So it's really drilling down to what's the story I'm telling myself? Where has it come from? And then how, and we'll look at this specifically at number two, is how is that belief serving me or more importantly, not serving me? Okay, so that's where we've got to start. We've got to start with that audit. And with that in mind, we can then start putting these five points into action. So the first one is once we've done that, the first thing we've got to do, because you know what you need to do, you know that things need to be different, but you're not acting on it. So the first thing is what's the gap between what you're actually doing and the advice you'd give a friend? So if your friend came to you and said, I feel so guilty because I've My job means that I can't pick up my children and I feel like I'm failing as a mother because I'm not there to collect them. You would give your friend some sound advice. I know you would because you're giving your friend sound advice every single day. So the question then becomes, if you think about the advice that you would give a friend when you're looking specifically at something that you're feeling mum guilt and then have a look at how big that gap is because that's the gap that we want to begin to sort of narrow yeah we can't we're not changing it immediately but we have to recognize that the fundamental shift is I know that I shouldn't have this mum guilt around this particular thing but I do I really need to understand where that's come from and I need to understand how big the gap is from what I would the advice I would give a friend so that I can then look at ways that I can begin to close that gap and sometimes closing that gap might be around doing something physically different and recognizing that actually I have guilt because that's really important to me it isn't something that i think other people are judging me on it's something that is really important to me and so there may have to be some action around modifying work patterns if it's a if it's that particular thing but so often the mum guilt has got nothing to do with anything that we could specifically action but much more around what we think are the perceptions of what it is to be a perfect parent, to be a perfect mum. So it's really thinking about that. Why is that a pressure that we're adding onto ourselves? If actually the the guilt is about you, but your child is being picked up by their father or their mother, yeah, your other partner, why is the guilt there for you? So it's really being able to dig and look at what that is And then looking at the gap between the advice that you'd give a friend and what you're currently doing. So that's the first thing that we've got to start with. We've got to look at it from that perspective because my assumption in through all out of this particular episode is that you know what you need to do but you're just simply not acting on it. You've read the books, you've listened to my podcast, you know that mum guilt isn't helpful, you know that your self-care is really important because it genuinely gives back to your child And every time you listen to something about it, you say, I'm going to act. And then you don't. And it's because of these stories that you tell yourself. So you have to work out what that gap is. The next one is, how is your current behavior serving you? Now, it seems weird to think that behavior that we know is unpleasant is serving us. But our children do exactly the same. We do it all of the time, whether it's to do with mum guilt, whether our children are doing it or whether we're doing it about any other behaviour. We tend to adopt a similar pattern of behaviour. We repeat it again and again because it serves us in some way. And sometimes it serves us because it allows us to flourish and grow and develop and become the best version of ourselves. But sometimes it happens, it serves us because it might be that right now it keeps us safe. Maybe that mum guilt keeps us safe because it it stops us from taking risks, from pushing ourselves out of our comfort zone. It's familiar, but it's safe. I'm familiar with this guilt. And so actually I'd much rather keep doing what I'm doing because that guilt at least helps me strive in some way to be the best parent that I possibly can because my fear of moving beyond that is that I might feel that I'm then being selfish. So it sounds kind of slightly perverse, but really consider how is your current behavior serving you in a way of keeping you safe, of helping you stay small, helping you stay within your comfort zone, rather than taking that big plunge, which might actually serve you and your children much better. So Look at the gap between what you're doing and the advice you'd give a friend. Look at how your current behaviour might be serving you or let's face it, actually not serving you. The third one is learning to recognise when those stories play out and what works for you to change the record. So it's not, once, we, once we're aware of those stories that we tell ourselves and how we get ourselves caught up in that, that's not an end of, we don't just do an audit and then that's the end of it, it's like we're all sorted now. Because we know mum guilt is pervasive. It happens all of the time. But what we need to then be able to do is to learn to recognise when those stories are beginning to play out. Because as we know with parenting, is that the record changes all of the time. We're we're dealing with different things all of the time. So we may feel that we've dealt with one aspect of mum guilt. Something else then pops up suddenly, randomly. So it's we need to learn to recognise when those stories play out with us, what conversations we start having in our head around them, and then being able to work out, and that working out is generally through trial and error. We have to try different things to work out how can we change that stuck, broken record that keeps on repeat around those repeated stories. So we may feel that we've kind of got it. Yeah, I'm I'm dealing with my mum girl, I'm I'm getting on top of this. And then maybe we flip through our social media. Well, I don't, but you do because I'm not on social media. So I've at least spared myself that. But you're flicking through and you suddenly see something and you think, oh my God, I'm such an awful parent because I don't bake with my children or I don't do this. Or they look like they're having such an amazing time on holiday and I don't do that. We don't do this. And then the guilt comes back in again. So it's being able to recognise when those stories play out and then... trial and error of what works for you to shift yourself from that particular state and then be able to get yourself back now i'm not saying that when that we're going to sort of move to a situation where we're never ever going to experience any guilt of course we are but the idea is to be able to recognize that we're doing that and move on in the same way as when we feel anxious or our children feel anxious or we feel stressed we're not going to eradicate it But what we will be able to do is is be able to recognise, ah, I'm getting that feeling again, that warning sign that says to me that I'm in a situation where I feel overwhelmed, right? That's what's happening. I know I need to go to this tool in this toolbox. So it's about working out to be able to recognise when those stories are playing out so we can avoid acting or choosing behaviour from those stories, but instead choosing behaviours from more of the actual truths that are happening in that situation And then also being able to pull out a couple of tools that might be helpful for us in that moment that help us shift out of those stories and step back into the actual reality of what's going on. And that might be around always being ever-present and ever-playing and ever-fun with your children. And it's being able to pull ourselves away from that and recognise that our children are clothed and fed and safe and happy. That if we need to be on a work call for 30 minutes, nothing bad's going to happen. We're not going to screw them up. They're not going to suddenly lose all life opportunities because of it. So it's that being able to recognise when we're doing that. The fourth is really about trusting our instincts. I think this is something that I, so we've lost that real gut instinct. By all means, listen to podcasts. I want you to listen to my podcast. I love you listening to my podcast. But listen to the podcast, read the book, read the parenting books that you love, listen to the other podcasts that you love, and then trust your instincts to how you adapt or ignore the advice that you're being given for your family, for your situation. I wrote a blog post a long time ago, and I'm literally obviously about to publish my own book about how parenting books don't work, and I stick by that. And it's this idea that a lot of parenting books adopt a very rigid, this is what you need to do in order to parent or to manage this particular situation or to do this. And what we need to get better of as parents and in terms of books just generally when we talk about parenting is to recognise that there is no one sits, one fits all way of approaching parenting because the dynamics within every single family is unique regardless of whether you've got exactly the same age children with exactly the same age gap. It's different because personalities and characteristics and life experiences and your own childhood and your partner's childhood all of these make the permutations and the probabilities of things working in particular ways of just being infinitely huge you know they're just so unlike they're so infinitesimally small that you cannot say you do this one thing there are some general guiding principles but really trust your instinct listen to the podcast episode my episode other episodes others books that you read and take from those what you know instinctively will work for your family and if you've not yet allowed that instinct to really flourish and you're still feeling nervous, then try something and then really reflect on how helpful that was. If it worked, why did it work? Does it feel right? Does it sit with your values? Is it consistent with how you had hoped to parent? Does it create the atmosphere in your family that you want? Do you feel great afterwards for using that or not? And if the technique works, but you feel rubbish afterwards, then trust your instinct to know that there is another way that will work and will also help you feel much better and feel more aligned. I think we've got really got to trust our instincts a lot more than we do. And then the final one is around building your network or community. Now that works in two ways. Having that network or community is have, is recreating the communal ways we used to parent. It's about having those people you can reach out to when you're having that wobble. I'm doing that story again. Hel- you know, and just make help each other, support each other, have a kind of a little accountability and support group. We so often talk about this from the perspective of, as an entrepreneur, I've goodness knows how many sort of masterminds and accountability groups that I've been part of that have been phenomenal for me in terms of Mary Han you said you were going to do this by the next time that we all we met why have you not done it that's the third time that we've met and you've not done it but doing it in a loving and supporting supportive way now I think as mums we're really great on about enlisting other mothers and and having others that we we talk and we spend time with and maybe we swap spending time with children and we go out and things but how honest are we being about the stories that we're telling ourselves about how we parent? How vulnerable are we being and how much are we creating a space in order to be and have those conversations? Now, I will caveat that with, we do not want to be open and vulnerable with just anybody, yeah? Much as I say to children that we have different friends for different reasons, the exact same holds true for mum guilt. You do not want to be all vulnerable With another mum or a group of mums that don't share the same values as you because otherwise that's only going to fuel your mum guilt yeah if you are ambitious if you are career driven if you are guilty about not being present to pick up your children or you're not part of the PTA you're not doing all of these extra things and you're trying to be vulnerable to a group where you know, they are, it's all about their values are very different to yours. They don't understand career. They really, for them, the whole value is being a stay-at-home mum. Nothing wrong with that. But your values in terms of what, how you raise and the stories that you're telling about raising children are different and that will only exacerbate your guilt. So it's about making sure that you are vulnerable. And that you build that network and community with like-minded people where that support and that accountability can truly come into place. And it may take you some time. It may be that you have to dip your toe and test the water a little bit to find out whether people... There are lots of women out there who are not being entirely honest about their own ambitions and desires and, and aspirations for themselves because they worry that if they communicate that, that they will be judged. So it will be... You have to kind of seek them out and dip your toe but make sure that you surround yourself with that because they will keep you grounded they will remind you of that you're doing those stories and you can help each other it's about that being there together for that communal support so let me recap those five so it's what's the gap between what you're doing and the advice you'd give a friend how's your current behavior serving you or not serving you. It's learning to recognize when those stories play out and what works for you to change that record. Trusting your instinct as to what feels right and taking in the information that's useful and discarding the rest. And building your network and community, not only for support, but for that accountability. So, my give this week is going to be these top five strategies in a checklist with that usual space so that you can reflect and maybe choose one thing that you're going to work on. But start from that process of getting really honest about the stories that you're telling yourself so as usual head over to my free resource library drmaryhand.com forward slash library where you'll find the link to download the resource all you need to do is pop in your email address and you'll get instant access not only to this week's resource but all the other free resources across all my podcast episodes As ever, if you have enjoyed this episode, I would love it if you could follow and review this podcast so that others can find us and we can spread the love. So, until next time...